Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Icing and Glitter, a blog, Instagram page, and YouTube channel. Okay, so you've obviously read the title for today's episode, and you may be thinking that it's going to be super woo-woo. I mean, energy medicine just sounds so woo-woo, so I don't even blame you. Listen, I can be kind of woo-woo at times. You guys know I'm all about manifesting, but energy medicine, at least in the way that Dr. Jill Blakeway has researched it, is the furthest thing from woo-woo, which is what I found really, really interesting. Dr. Jill is a best-selling author and functional medicine practitioner who specializes in acupuncture and is one of the top doctors in New York. She specializes in fertility and has garnered amazing results for her clients. She's also been in the business for a few decades and has recently written a new book all about energy medicine. It's a really interesting story, which we get into in today's episode, but essentially she was commissioned by HarperCollins to really get into the research behind energy medicine and present it to the skeptic. Before we get into the episode, though, I wanted to remind you to please leave the show a review if you feel like it brings you value. Guys, your reviews mean the world to me. They only take a couple of minutes, but really help the show grow and help me get amazing guests so I can bring you guys more value. And with that, let's dive into today's episode with Dr. Jill Blinkway. Okay, so Dr. Jill, to start, let's discuss your background. How did you land up in the field of holistic medicine? Well, I, like lots of practitioners of my generation, came to Chinese medicine because Mm -hmm. I found out it worked. Mm -hmm. I had uh, an array of fairly minor health conditions that weren't going away, and Mm -hmm. someone in a health food store suggested seeing an acupuncturist, Mm -hmm. and I became fascinated by how well it worked. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing a master's in traditional Chinese medicine and then eventually a doctorate, and that was quite a while ago. Yeah. yeah, and you you got into it before it was like trendy and cool. Like you've been doing it for a really long time. I've been doing this a long time, about 25 years. And I've run Yanova here for 20 years. So I've seen thousands of patients in that time. And now I'm surrounded by a team of wonderful practitioners. I have 18 acupuncturists working with me. And we treat everybody from tiny babies to senior citizens. We have a bit of a focus on women's reproductive medicine, but we treat pediatrics. We have a thriving pediatric practice. We treat men, which people often don't know we do. And um, we treat um, families for all sorts of things, but we also have a strong sort of reproductive and gynecological focus. 
I first of all had no idea that babies could be treated with acupuncture like what just out of curiosity like what kind of things I know it's always really surprising yeah like I'm just (laughs) veering away from my questions because it's so interesting (laughs) because of course then you think well how do they get them to lie there zen like yeah little needles in well we don't do it the same way with with babies but we start with tiny teeny babies Uh, the youngest we've treated here is two weeks old Mm -hmm. uh, with colic and um, we do a lot of digestive disorders um, acid reflux, uh, constipation, and then um, all the phlegmy conditions, I like to think of them as asthma, repeated ear infections, drippy noses, weak immune systems, that kind of thing. And then we get in, as they get a little older, we get into the behavioral stuff and we treat, you know, ADHD and hyperactivity, act- things like that. Um, and we teach, we treat teenagers when they start their menstrual cycle for menstrual cramps and acne and sports injuries and stress so we we treat pediatrics all the way through and we're not the alternative we're like a complement to a pediatrician because we're treating the chronic niggly things Mm -hmm. and we're coming up with solutions for those so you can treat a lot of these with acupuncture with, with a combination of acupuncture and Chinese herbs, yeah. And acupuncture has been used for thousands of years to treat children. And there's a very worked out specialty in pediatrics in China. And um, many of our acupuncturists, including myself and my husband, Noah, who's the clinic director here, are trained in pediatrics. So yeah, we we treat little babies. Oh my gosh. But we don't, we know, we don't retain the needles. They're not yeah. just lying there because they don't. They're very wriggly. We yeah. usually <laughs> sit with them on our knee or on their mom's knee mm-hmm. or their dad's knee. Um, and then we have a special machine we call the tickle machine. So when they get really horrified by needles, we just, um, uh, we do cutaneous stimulation. It doesn't hurt at all. So we have, we have ways of doing acupuncture wow. with children that are painless. Who would have known? I mean, this is, this is so interesting. I just had to ask you about it. So I guess getting back on track, um, you mentioned that you guys specialize in like fertility issues. So talk to me about the link between fertility and acupuncture. Well, there's a lot of research about Mm -hmm. acupuncture and fertility. Mm -hmm. Again, Chinese medicine has been used for thousands of years to... um, bolster fertility I wrote a book about 10 years ago which is still in hardback because it still sells as well now as it did then it's called making babies a three-month program for maximum fertility and I wrote that with a reproductive endocrinologist because a big feature of Unova is that we integrate what we do with people's um, conventional medical treatments and um, acupuncture particularly has been shown to enhance the efficacy of a lot of the fertility treatments so for instance there was a study that looked at 180 women going through IVF in vitro fertilization and half of them did acupuncture with their IVF and half didn't and the half that did acupuncture um, had a 50% better outcome And there are studies that show that if you do Chinese medicine, what's called whole systems Chinese medicine, Mm. so everything, herbs, massage, acupuncture, cupping, moxa, lifestyle adjustments, dietary advice, if you do all of that for three months before an IVF, um, you have way greater live birth rates, which makes sense, you know, if you get into shape before you do a reproductive treatment. Mm -hmm. So we we don't just do acupuncture while people are doing uh, a assisted reproduction 
reproductive techniques. We do it, you know, we see people in all stages mm-hmm. of the reproductive journey. Uh, some people aren't really having problems and we just do like a little three month boot camp to get mm-hmm. them in good shape to get pregnant. I call it the premester, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which I like very much um, and I think is a good idea. Some people are struggling with things like PCOS, polycystic mm-hmm. ovarian syndrome, uh, endometriosis, and we treat all of those with a combination of uh, diet adjustments, lifestyle advice, uh, Chinese herbs, supplements, and acupuncture. Wow. Okay. So, I, I mean, I'm just sort of like blown away by how much you can do and like how you can use holistic medicine to treat these issues that people go through all the time. So it's really, really interesting. It is interesting. Acupuncture is... Um, not that out there when it comes to alternative medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, acupuncturists mm-hmm. are licensed by the state and board certified, so they have a, a very specific level of education. Mm-hmm. We all have um, master's degrees, four-year master's degrees or doctorates, and they're held to a certain standard ethically then mm-hmm. because they're licensed. And and the effects of acupuncture are really physiologically provable. You, so you can use uh, an MRI to show that it changes um, the way pain is received in the brain you can use doppler ultrasound to show that it increases circulation you can use thermal imaging to show that it reduces inflammation so when it comes to treating fertility where it's not particularly woo you know we're using acupuncture to increase circulation to the ovaries to um, uh, uh, resource a really good follicle so that they get a really good egg we're, we're increasing circulation to the uterus to build a really nice uterine lining we're using it to balance hormones and there's plenty of clinical research that shows that acupuncture does balance hormones that it acts on the brain in a way that creates hormone balance um, and we're using it to sort of prevent early miscarriage and things like that so so it, it, acupuncture, when it comes to fertility, is well-researched. We have a page, actually, of research on our website, unovacenter.com, if people are interested in looking at, the, at, at acupuncture for fertility and what the, the studies show. So smart. So why do you think women are having like so many issues with fertility these days because like I feel like every other day like someone I know who's trying to get pregnant has to go through IVF or they're having issues like why is that why do you think there's been this like rise I think it's multiple factors Mm -hmm. I think here in New York particularly we find that people are leaving it a little later which is Mm -hmm. understandable they're focused on their careers and they're trying to it's hard to have everything all at once And as women, we have trouble sort of staging everything in our lives, I think. Uh, And I have a lot of sympathy for that because I've been a working mum my whole life. Um, (laughs) And so I I get it. So I think leaving it a little late is, uh, and I think sometimes the fact that there are assisted reproductive technologies makes people a little complacent. They don't Mm -hmm. realize that they have a, a reasonable failure rate. And so often women will say to me, oh, I'll always do IVF. Well, it's not a guarantee, and actually, you and know, it's not a picnic either. No, it's it's hard to do. It's and expensive. I mean, it's a wonderful technology, but um, you know, as you get older, the success rates go down. So that's part of it. And then I think the rest is lifestyle. We have a a very hormone disruptive lifestyle. So I think there's a bit of that goes on. Uh, you know, a lot of the endocrine disrupting um, uh, chemicals, things, you know, even, you know, plastics in the microwave, that kind of thing. Uh, 
affect estrogen and progesterone balance in a way that puts people out of balance so we see a lot more fibroids for instance Mm -hmm. Um, everyone has them i feel like uh, pcos um, uh, pms is a mild version of an estrogen progesterone imbalance in fact so chinese medicine is very good at helping those things Mm -hmm. but i think i think that people limp along with hormone imbalances for a long time and the other thing that people do that they didn't use to is um they correct their hormone imbalances with the birth control pill which does kind of work but only as a band-aid i.e the the root the root has never been solved and what happens is people have irregular menses or really painful periods or something like that uh, in college and they get put on the birth control pill and it kills two birds with one stone it's contraceptive Mm -hmm. and um it sort of solves their menstrual problems and they in the end forget that they have menstrual problems and then they come off in order to have a baby they come off the pill and they you know they have all the same problems they had before so i always encourage people to troubleshoot their hormonal issues earlier rather than later and don't wait till you're trying to have a baby so for someone who is a complete beginner like what are the hormones from your experience like you mentioned estrogen and progesterone that are like i guess the most imbalanced but like are there any more and how can we go about sort of optimizing them well, for your in your reproductive system as mm-hmm. a woman, the estrogen progesterone balance mm-hmm. is, is is vital. Mm-hmm. And what happens is in the first half of your cycle, what mm-hmm. we call the follicular phase before you ovulate, estrogen is dominant, mm-hmm. and that estrogen helps you grow a nice lining, and it helps um, you produce eggs and that kind of thing. And then in the second half of the cycle, progesterone is dominant, and that helps retain an implanted embryo should you have one and what we see is that that goes out of balance actually particularly in perimenopausal women but also in younger women we see the that go out of balance and the thing that I see most commonly in younger women is low progesterone Mm -hmm. uh, and then estrogen dominance in in relation to the progesterone and I think that actually comes from estrogenic chemicals um, uh, that mimic they're called xenoestrogens Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. mimic estrogen so I think um, everything from suntan lotion to household cleaners Mm -hmm. and um, uh, skin creams so I would encourage people to go as non-toxic as they can with the things they put on their skin that you know what what goes on your skin gets absorbed Uh, when women are doing IVF they pop an estrogen patch on before their IVF because the estrogen gets absorbed through their skin so if you have chemicals that are mimicking estrogens in in skin creams they're going in in exactly the same way so that is the most common one that I see I think is that estrogen progesterone imbalance that leads to low progesterone and Um, estrogen that's too high and that can be implicated in menstrual cramps that can be implicated in pms fibroids the other thing i see is a certain amount of insulin resistance yeah um, i feel like I, yeah. I've, I've heard about this so much could you get into it all? and it gets uh, it affects hormones yes. and the most common disorder is pcos mm-hmm. uh, where uh, a lot of our pcos polycystic ovarian syndrome patients are very insulin resistant mm-hmm. and they're just not metabolizing sugar properly and they do really really well on a kind of paleo style diet where they cut out grains and dairy and um, uh, sugars uh, as such and um, the more sort of uh, 
readily absorbable carbohydrates uh, and those people just their PCOS comes into line beautifully if they if they cut out the sugar so why does insulin resistance develop like are there like do you know if some people are predisposed towards it mm -hmm. you know sometimes this is your genetic inheritance mm -hmm. and you often find that people who have PCOS have a mother who had PCOS mm -hmm. and that kind of thing so that may be a little bit your constitutional type but also we just uh, eat a lot more sugar mm. than than you know our grandparents yeah. did, and sugar we also and everything we do, and uh, and I also think that artificial sugars are implicated in this. We think that if we have a diet coke, we're okay, <laughs> but the artificial sugars um, it still tastes like sugar. So your body prepares for sugar. Uh, if you can imagine, and then doesn't actually get it. And over time, that's extraordinarily depleting um, and and causes a certain amount of imbalance and chaos. So while we're on this topic then of artificial sugars, how do you feel about like stevia, for example? I think if you're going to do an art a sugar replacement, mm -hmm. then stevia is your best choice. Yeah. Because it's a plant. I actually grow stevia in my garden in upstate New York. Do you really? I do. You can grow it in New York State. And I know because I have done um so wow. uh, i know and then you can make stevia and mint lemonade mm -hmm. with the actual leaves <laughs> wow which is kind of fun <laughs> i had no idea you could make it like yeah. if you're doing it in new york yeah. you can definitely do it in toronto as yes, well you, you could absolutely do this in toronto <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of fun yeah um so so yes i would uh, i would always have something plant-based and the uh, or you know, whole. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is that when um, artificial synthesized um, uh, uh, foods have very little nutritional value at mm -hmm. all, mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's p one of the reasons that we're seeing so many hormone imbalances. So I would just encourage people to have uh, food in its natural state whenever they could. Love that. Um, so before we move away from this topic, I wanted to find out if someone's trying to get pregnant and they don't have access to your clinic in New York, um, what are some things they can do at home to help the process along? Well, that's actually why I wrote Making Babies because we do that for our patients. They don't really need to read the book, but mm -hmm. I wanted to explain our method to mm -hmm. um, other people. And what that is, is a three-month program for five different fertility types. So you take a quiz online on mm -hmm. our Unova website and then you follow the program for your type. Um, but here's my advice. The first thing, if you're trying to get pregnant, is to familiarize yourself with your cycle. Mm -hmm. You need to know when you're ovulating. It isn't necessarily on day 14 of your cycle. Um, and so it's good to find that out. I'm a big fan of charting mm -hmm. uh, and um, because it gives you a lot of information about your cycle, uh, basal body temperature charting. There's a wonderful book that, that came out many, many years ago that is still really current called Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Wechsler. Mm. And that is probably the best book out there on, on basal body temperature charting. But you need to work out when you're ovulating because you have to have sex when you're ovulating. Mm -hmm. And then you need to make sure that you have fertile cervical mucus when mm -hmm. you're ovulating. Uh, lots of women don't. Uh, and it's important to know that because your vagina is, it's kind of interesting in so much as it's really only accepted of sperm during the time you're ovulating the rest of the time it's slightly acidic and slightly hostile to sperm <laughs> and then you actually create mucus that is the same ph as semen 
just oh. around ovulation. I know, isn't that cool and clever? Yeah. yeah bodies are extraordinary. And, and practicing Incredible. reproductive medicine makes you just in awe of mm. uh, the human body, and particularly the female body, which goes through so many changes in a cycle. Uh, and so just knowing that you have fertile cervical mucus when you're ovulating is an important thing to check. And then um, eating properly. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a time to make sure that you're having plenty of protein. Mm-hmm. Um, protein helps to resource a nice uterine lining. And I find that the people who are hardest to get pregnant are people who are missing a nutrient. Mm. Like my very low fat dieters are hard to get pregnant because you do need fat to make reproductive hormones it turns out um and so you know a a broad diet that includes lots of fruits and vegetables and colorful lots of colors put a rainbow on your plate and enough good clean protein um is the way to go love it so pivoting a little your new book is about energy healing so what exactly is energy healing it's a broad topic yes Uh, HarperCollins actually gave me a lovely commission and they asked me to uh, write a book for skeptical people, to Mm -hmm. write a book that looked at the physiologically provable effects of energy healing and the science behind it. And I got to go all over the world. I got to spend six weeks in Japan um, uh, talking to healers and scientists about how energy healing works. But energy healing and in its broadest sense, refers to all those modalities that either treat or diagnose by uh, affecting the energy, the electrical energy that pulses through each cell of the Mm. body. Mm. And so it's a broad field. It includes acupuncture, which is the more sort of credentialized, legitimate end of energy healing, but also hands-on healing like Reiki and things like that. So I looked at all of those for this book and I, um, uh, I looked at acupuncture and the electromagnetic effects of acupuncture in quite some detail. But I also looked at hands-on healing. So for instance, there is there are studies, um, there's one out of Japan in 1992 that looked at the energy that comes out of healers' hands. They used a magnetometer to measure it. And um, in Qigong masters, who are the kind of Chinese medicine version of Reiki masters in some ways, although they have a much more meditational training, they um, have an energy field coming out of their hands that is a thousand times larger than the largest energy field in the body normally, which is the heart. Uh, and um, that when they're doing their job, and that is measurable. And what's interesting about it is that it's a very, very low frequency. And interestingly, in the best hospitals in the in the world now, in the best orthopedic hospitals, they run. Um, electrical energy through broken bones to speed up healing and they use exactly the same frequency that comes out of the hands of both reiki practitioners and qigong masters it's a low frequency so the the very thing that western medicine has found heals soft tissue and bone has been emitted from the hands of energy healers for thousands of years okay so so what what are like you mentioned Reiki, you mentioned Qigong and like what other types of energy healing modalities are there and acupuncture, of course? Well, there are lots of therapeutic touch. There are lots of versions of hands on healing. Mm-hmm. And I looked at hands on healers in quite some depth because. I came across a um, professor mm-hmm. at City University. Mm hmm. 
who had done some really interesting lab-based research Mm -hmm. into hands-on healing. His name is Dr. Bill Bengston. Mm -hmm. And he had learned a healing technique from a slightly weird psychic healer. And he decided to take it into the lab. And what they did was they took mice that had been specially bred to have cancer, which is really sad for the mice. But um, those mice reliably die on day 27 they give them cancer and that's how pharmaceuticals are tested and then if you can keep the mouse alive longer than that then you have what might be a successful pharmaceutical so they took these mice and the initial experiments were done by bill himself and he did the technique which is a hands-on healing technique and i explain it in detail in the book energy medicine and the mice lived much to his surprise. So then he recruited skeptical students. And the reason he did that is because good science should be replicable, yeah? There's no point in having someone with a special skill that nobody else can see. So he recruited skeptical students, and he didn't even tell them that they were taking part in a healing experiment. He told them they were taking part in an experiment on gullibility, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure they thought was true. And he taught them the technique. And uh, even the most skeptical student also reversed the cancer in the mice. And what they found was that the technique, which is a brain distraction technique, uh, created what's called a resonant bond between the healer and the mice, and that somehow information was carried on a frequency uh, between the healer and the mice. So they have now done experiments. They did these experiments at Brown. They took human cancer tissue and they put it in a test tube and they put the frequency into the cell medium that the the human cancer tissue was in. Mm -hmm. And um, it made 67 genetic changes in the human cancer tissue. So this is information carried by a frequency generated uh, by um, a, a technique. And that made me really interested in looking at hands-on techniques, that this isn't just people waving their hands about and nothing is happening. And the first thing I did was I had my own body measured. And what we found, um, they did an EKG of my heart, which is a measurement of the energy field around the heart, and an EEG of my brain, which is a measurement of the energy field around the brain. And um, uh, when I do acupuncture, my heart and my brain go into what's called resonance. They start to go at the same frequency which is really cool and to do that I have to slow down my brain quite a lot and then the patient's heart goes into resonance with mine so we're all going at the same frequency and that is called a resonant bond and it would appear that when that bond is created the magic happens and information gets transferred from one person to another Uh, and if I had to hazard a guess I'd say that I'm just a conduit I don't really do much Mm -hmm. the patient takes the information they need from me or through me in order to reorganize themselves uh, a little bit and I didn't expect to find that out when I started this journey writing energy Mm -hmm. medicine but that that is what I found out and that we're affecting each other energetically in ways that we're only just beginning to understand that that's incredible. It's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Isn't it? Wow. I mean, that's I mean, and it, it is written for the skeptics. So it's a really interesting read, I'm sure. It's footnoted heavily because I knew people would be skeptical and I wanted them to go on their own journey, you yeah. know, to go into the footnotes and then research yourself and see because this information is out there. So, for instance, at the University of Connecticut, they put two people in separate MRIs. And then when one thought healing thoughts about the other, their brainwaves started to sink. They weren't even in the same room. So they didn't know, but um, their brainwaves started to sync up on on MRI. They could see the brain 
um, going into sequence, which is actually that weird feeling you have, and I'm sure you've had this because mm. everybody has, when you think about someone and they text you. Yes, all the all time. All the time. But I mean, it happens way more than could possibly be coincidence. It's bizarre. It's weird. It happens so often. Yes. Like it's, yeah, yeah, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah, uh, um, and I found that there was plenty of evidence that we are all collaborating with each other energetically and that we can affect each other. So, for instance, at Princeton University in the engineering department, which is like the least woo department imaginable, they had a grad student about 20 years ago who wondered if she could create a machine that could be changed by the human mind. And they didn't think for a minute she'd pull this off, but mm. they thought it was an interesting engineering project for her mm, to think mm. it through. And she did. She created a machine that could be affected with the human mind. And to cut a long story very short, although you can read about it in the book, uh, it... it Thanks to decaying atomic material, it generates random numbers. And if you um, focus on it with feeling, with emotion, those numbers become less random. And if more than one person, if groups of people focus on it, that really affects the machine. So they have had these machines, um, portable ones everywhere. They've taken them to the Trump inaugural <laughs> and yoga retreats. And what they've found is that um, when people band together with love and compassion, that really affects the machine. But unfortunately, fear also connects people. So when people band together with fear and cruelty, which we're seeing a lot of in the world now, that also affects the machine and therefore, I imagine, affects our reality. Yeah? If you can affect a machine, then you're affecting other things with these strong emotions. I'm just like blown away that is so interesting so I mean we discussed a little bit about hands-on healing and Reiki is obviously a part of that and I've always been really curious about Reiki and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are as well so could you get into exactly what Reiki is and how it works well I'm not necessarily a Reiki expert of course I'm, yeah. a, uh, I'm an acupuncturist but it is a Japanese form mm -hmm. of hands-on healing mm -hmm. um, it's taught by induction mm -hmm. um, it's taught by um, a Reiki master mm -hmm. passing it on to you um, and uh, as I said before when Reiki masters hands are measured you can measure the frequency coming off them and it is a very low frequency when people have Reiki they feel it as warmth mm -hmm. but when you actually measure the hands they're not warm the reiki practitioner also feels it as warm so it's hard for them to believe but the hands aren't warm even though they subjectively feel it which is a bit like microwave energy <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> so it's generating heat um but it's not generating measurable heat but it is generating a measurable frequency and uh, that we do know. And um, Reiki practitioners have varying levels, I think, of skill and training. So finding someone who you resonate with and who you feel is helping you is a good thing. Not, uh, when, when you get into the unlicensed professions, there are some phenomenal practitioners. But there are also people who aren't quite as skilled. And it's, it's a little harder to tell the difference than in the licensed uh, end of energy medicine like acupuncture I think so that was actually going to be my next question that like I I feel like people throw around the term like you know energy healer quite casually these days like I feel like everyone and their uncle is like either a psychic or a shaman or a reiki healer and I mean I think it's pretty natural when you know something becomes trendy like I do feel like energy healing is quite trendy nowadays so <clears throat> 
if someone is trying to find a good energy healer, like how do you tell apart, I guess, as you said, the charlatans from like the real, like legit people? Um, yes, I actually uh, have a whole section in the book on charlatans. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet that many. I want mm-hmm. to reassure people that I didn't meet that many, but I did pe- meet people of varying levels of skill. Um, so obviously the licensed end of energy medicine is acupuncture Mm -hmm. and that's helpful because there's a minimum education standard and a minimum ethical standard. There are some wonderful hands-on healers, but there are people who just, you know, call themselves a shaman after a couple of weeks of training, which is really (laughs) disrespectful to shaman. Um, in fact, um, and, uh, we do see that, but here's the category of person I saw most of when you think of charlatans, uh, or at least when I thought of charlatans, you think of someone who's waving their hands around doing absolutely no good at all and charging people a fortune Mm -hmm. is kind of how we think of it I I saw a little bit of that but I didn't see a great deal but I did see a whole category of practitioner who had some skill but was very exploitative as a person Mm -hmm. and was Mm -hmm. using it to exploit other people and I didn't expect to find that but that was what I found and I was so concerned about it that actually in the book I interviewed um, a man called Dr. Thomas Guttheil who is the head of psychiatry and law at Harvard He's a forensic psychiatrist, which is the criminal end of Mm -hmm. psychiatry, yeah? And um, his specialty is transgressions of the therapeutic relationship. And he gave me guidelines to weed out those kinds of exploitative, manipulative people. And we don't just see them in alternative medicine. We see them in the church. Mm -hmm. We see them in the yoga community. We've had a few um, examples of uh, of that. We see it in um, uh, Western medicine too. In fact, Dr. Guttel mostly gives evidence in court cases against Western doctors who are being exploitative in some way. But you do see it in energy medicine because it's so vague. Um, And so, you know, um, you see people who play up their magical powers and things like that. And he told me, Dr. Guttheil told me, look out for people who are a cult of one, who are creating a, a, a big sort of cult of personality around themselves. Um, be careful about people who um, are asking for more than what is reasonable. So he said to me, a good practitioner should only get their fee and the satisfaction of doing a good job. And um, he had horror stories of obviously of a practitioner sleeping with their patients, but also getting their patients to pick up their laundry and <laughs> clean their office and all oh my sorts gosh. of. I know, I know, <laughs> horrible. It's shocking. Uh, it's completely shocking. Uh, and you can see that a healer um, could have a certain amount of power over people and could wield that power or threaten to withdraw it if um, if you weren't doing what they wanted. And so I, I wrote down what he told me and I put it in the book because I think it's important to look out for people who are exploiting you in some way mm-hmm. and that a good practitioner gets a reasonable fee that isn't too much um, and um, uh, is happy to have helped you and that is it. And I actually, interestingly, also came across people who got no fee at all. And they were often a little, um, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are people um, practicing energy medicine for no fee because they're just lovely people and independently wealthy. But um, that can be a bit manipulative too. If you can imagine, uh, if you pay an enormous amount for something, you're less likely to notice that it's not 
working, yeah, because you're very invested. But if you pay nothing at all, your guard is down as well. And you're like, well, they're so generous and so kind. Uh, and you're less likely to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. And confirmation bias is an issue, you know. Uh, and so I tried to deal with my own confirmation biases when I was writing this book. But you can, you know, you start to believe in what you want to believe mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all... Um, heard of psychics who fish yeah and they get a couple of things right and you put more emphasis in your mind on that because you want to believe that they're they're doing that um and that's that's the kind of thing you know I always tell my patients here please tell me the truth about how you feel after Mm -hmm. a treatment because that's how I gauge how much I'm you know how much I'm helping you and mm-hmm. I want to help you. you know, don't try and please me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me if, if this isn't helping, tell me and we'll try something else or I'll refer you somewhere else. That kind of thing. So interesting. Wow. I, I mean, I'm really excited to read this book, especially that section. Like I want to see what these, I mean, traits of, I guess, more fraudulent people are. So, I mean, how interesting. So what are some things people can do at home to like, I guess, be more energetically aligned? Well, yes. I gave exercises at the end of every chapter in this book Mm. because I wanted people to have access to this. I don't think I'm particularly special at all. Uh, And actually, I think the people who are most exploitative exploit that idea that they're very, very special. Mm. I think anyone can do this. Anyone can use energy to affect other people and to affect their own Mm. health. We are just matter that is energy condensed, just like everything else in the universe. So we have an energetic quality to us. So it all starts with breathing. When I um, found out that I go into what's called internal resonance and, and my heart and my brain uh, go into the same frequency, mm-hmm. which is a very peaceful state, I do that with breath. And I do that by taking five breaths a minute uh, in a very sort of circular fashion without a a break and that creates what's called heart rate variability and we always think that a healthy heart is one that just beats really regularly lub dub lub dub Mm. but actually a healthy heart is very variable because it's reacting and 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 coming back into balance and so you need maximum heart rate variability to be able to handle stress but also access your own energy field so that is the first thing that I would say is that breathing exercises, mm-hmm. breathing in for six seconds and out for six seconds um, in a very circular fashion uh, is, is the first thing. And then um, I have exercises in the book about grounding yourself and um, flooding yourself with your own sort of source energy, mm-hmm. your own higher power, that which gets into the slightly more woo end of this. So smart. I mean, I, I do, like, I think there's such power in breath. Um, and I actually, I didn't think that meditation, for example, was something that would truly affect change in my being. And it took me a really long time to actually decide that, okay, like I'm really seriously going to give this a try because for a long time I was like, Oh, like it's not for me. What is like slowing down my breath and like breathing a little bit going to do? It's crazy. 
I yes. mean, it's it's insane what it does for you. Yes. Well, it's like a muscle. It's like exercising a muscle. If you meditate regularly, mm-hmm. you can go into that calm space. And mm-hmm. what I always tell people is that it buys you a second to make a choice so that you're not reactive. You learn how to um, uh, still your mind. And if you live reactively, you're always just like being swept one way or the other by life all yes. day. And, and you stop having choice. And mm-hmm. I think meditation teaches your brain to take a space a pause and then you're in choice about how you react to people who are horrible to you or something on the internet yeah I mean we've all overreacted at some point to something on social media Mm -hmm. and I think meditation teaches you to take just a pause and to get things back into perspective and from that point of view it's very healthy yeah I agree um yeah I think that it just brings like I think it gives you um, more of an ability to deal with stressful circumstances without actually letting it ruffle your feathers um I th- and I yeah. think it's a very powerful tool that I mean it all comes down to breath at the end of the day it does so it's incredible it does. just breathe yeah <laughs> deeply <laughs> <laughs> so last question um because while I was doing uh, research for this interview, I stumbled upon an article that you wrote for Well and Good about cravings. And I thought that it would be really fun if you could tell our audience what someone can do to counteract a sugar craving. Oh, it's such a good question and, and such an important one. Uh, I think... Um, uh, we get sugar cravings for, for different reasons. We get sugar cravings a lot when we're tired, though, mm-hmm. don't we? Uh, and I think that's that afternoon pick-me-up um, cookie or piece of cake at like Literally, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Like, I won't do it, but uh, like, as you're saying it to me, I'm like, ooh, like that would sound amazing. So you need to head off the tiredness, in fact, so that you don't feel like that. And more sugar begets more sugar. Yes. So the more you give into your cravings, the more you'll crave, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, so the first thing that I would suggest is that you do something about that afternoon lull. Mm-hmm. And I think the adaptogen herbs are really good for that the 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 these are the herbs that help your body adapt to stress Mm -hmm. and give you energy during stressful circumstances ginseng is a very famous one ashwagandha Mm -hmm. um uh we call it astragalus Mm -hmm. is the latin name but huang chi we call it in in chinese medicine these are all good herbs for um uh you sustaining yourself during the day so i would suggest some kind of supplementation and if you want to get really fancy Mm -hmm. there is a chinese herbal formula that's called Gui Pitong, G-U-I-P-I-T-A-N-G, mm-hmm. Gui Pitong. And it's like, I think it should be in the tap water in most cities. It's a formula that gives people energy, but takes the edge off anxiety. It's commonly available. We have it here. We have a very good version of it here, but you can buy it on the internet. Um, it's very benign. We call it the student formula because it stops you from overthinking and being tired. And it's for people who are tired and wired. And if you think about it, sugar cravings often come from that tired and wired feeling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are tired and wired. Wow. We're, we're going on adrenaline. And we're exhausted and we have no resources and then we want sugar because we're just trying to keep going. So uh, Gui Pitong is my little trick. I take it every day. So and wh- I give when, it do you, when do you take it? Um, you can take it. It depends on how it's delivered. So mm-hmm. different makes uh, do it in different ways. Mm-hmm. We have it in tincture form and yes. I take it morning and night. And um, it just settles me down. Wow. Oh my gosh. I Like that's incredible. I, 
I'm shocked I've not heard about it. Gui Pitong. Wow. Okay. Everyone, <laughs> everyone needs this. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of us are tired and wired and we could use a bit of Gui Pitong and it yeah. does, it does help with sugar cravings. Too. Yeah. I mean, if it helps with sugar cravings, honestly, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this was really, really wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Jill. So before we wrap, let everyone know where they can find you. They can find me at yanovacenter.com, Y-I-N-O-V-A center.com. We're mm-hmm. here in New York City. We have a branch in Brooklyn and a branch in Manhattan in the Flatiron District. And um, they can find the, uh, all about the book there. The book is called Energy Medicine, The mm-hmm. Science and Mystery of Healing. It's in all good bookstores and online. It's everywhere at the moment. Um, uh, and uh, get in touch with us through social media. I'm really interested to hear what people think of this book. It was a very personal journey and it's kind of fun to share it with the world. And social media handles? I'm Jill Blakeway everywhere. <laughs> Amazing. I'm just Jill Blakeway on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Jill. Thank you wait do you want to receive a short email from me with exclusive content every week sign up to the icing and glitter newsletter and i'll send you my top five skincare secrets along with a weekly email with bite-sized tips and tricks giveaways recipes and so much more i'll leave the details in the show notes